Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Hi. We, this is, Sorry. What? <laughs> yeah, so you just say you're this week. Okay, I won't interrupt you. I'm sorry. Hey, good morning, everyone. So the voice that you're hearing is Sayla um, Okariot. Is that how you say it, Sayla? Yes. Cool. I got it right. Um, Nailed it. And it's a very... <laughs> So it's very special that we have her on the show because she's the director of The Valley, which I talked about quite a bit um, back when I was working on it. And uh, we're really, really glad to have her. Um, it was the movie I script supervised on back in uh, in March. So, yeah. Welcome, Sayla. Good morning, Ulrich. How are you doing? Very good. So uh, why don't you tell everybody like a little bit about who you are and um, and all that stuff. So um, I'm a little bit of a different filmmaker in the sense that I'm I'm a little bit older. I um, I actually had a full fledged career, a couple of careers before I started this one. Uh, I I have uh, advanced degrees in engineering. I have a doctorate in electrical engineering, and I worked as an electrical engineer for many years. And then um, I had two children. And so I kind of scaled that back and started my own business so to give me the flexibility to to spend time with my children. And then as and then while doing that I did a degree in film at San Jose State University and got some expertise in that and um I made a few short films and then I as my children got older I ventured into making this feature. So how long how have you been working on the valley before you got it actually got it made? I did my degree in 2008 and I wrote another script called Minor Gods which was actually a pretty good script but it was very complicated to actually film. It involved like multiple countries and you know it was just a daunting task. So I I had the idea of doing the valley about 7 years ago. Um the oh, wow. script idea was there a long time ago the story idea the characters i didn't start writing it till about 3 years ago and then it went through many many revisions like i think i did 9 or 10 revisions of it um wow. before i actually started trying to trying to produce it so um it's 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 been a long time let's put it that way and to <laughs> yeah. to say uh, when i wanted to do film you'd have to go back to like 10 or 11 years old <laughs> because I've right. always loved films. I I I'm a big I watch a lot of films from many countries. I've uh I've always been interested in films. I love films. What was that film that at 10 or 11 years old that made you just go like, "Wow, that is cool." There's an a director called Satyajit Ray, who's an Indian director. He makes these it's very much like the Ingmar Bergman of India. Mm. And um he actually got an honorary Oscar. But he made a film called Postmaster. It's this beautiful film. It's it's not that long even. It's about a half an hour long, but it's about this um this postmaster who gets stationed in different different villages. And he goes to this one village and he has this orphaned girl who's his attendant. And um the for the girl, the, the guy becomes he's very kind to her, unlike all the previous people, you know, they're they're very abusive to her, you know, the way they treat her, but he's very kind. He actually takes her under his wing, he tries to teach her, educate her. you know and um so for her she he becomes her whole life and for him because he has nothing else to do she's kind of almost a pastime you know and um eventually he gets sick he gets malaria and he gets he requests a transfer because he hates living there right and he gets transferred and just as he's leaving he remembers that he forgets to say goodbye to her 
And the last scene, you know, he goes and she's drawing water from a well and he goes and he says goodbye to her. And her face, there's this tear just coming down her face, you know, and you don't see, he doesn't see it, but the camera sees it. It was one of the most moving films I've ever seen in my life. Even to this day, I I feel like it's, it's just so simple yet so beautiful. Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds very dramatic. You know, I we grew up in a generation where, you know, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were like kind of the big thing. So I feel like the movies that influenced us were like special effects extravaganzas. And it's really refreshing to hear like a movie that's just like this simple story about just people is the one that influenced you. Because yeah, I feel like every time we talk to people, it's usually it seems like something like for me, it was E.T. or a lot of people at Star Wars. What was yours, Ulrich? Oh, I don't know. I like Back to the Future a lot. You know, that was a big movie when I was a kid. Um, And uh, yeah, but I liked all kinds of movies. I mean, I used to also watch a lot of like Three Stooges and Marx Brothers, even (laughs) as a kid. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I kind of have my influences from a lot of different areas. But I mean, you know, I mean, Back to the Future... I, I love Ninja Turtles. Um, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> You're right. You're proving my point pretty well. So, Sayla, at 10 or 11, you thought film was really cool, and it kind of stuck with you for a long period of your life. Why, all of a sudden, after having careers and children, did you decide, now's the time to do it? My brother passed away at a very young age, and um, mm-hmm. only he's only a few years older than me. And so I thought, okay... You always think, oh, I'm going to do this. And then you say, okay, you kick the can down the road in your life, you know. And you say, okay, I'll do this a few years from now. Well, you may not have a few few years from now. So, you know, if you really want to do something, now is the time to do it, really, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the the thought I had and when I started really trying to push to make it happen, you know. Why didn't you do it sooner? Because it's such an all-consuming thing. And I always thought it was, but it actually turned out to be even more than what I thought. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't, you know, part of the reason I I switched from engineering is I I want to spend more time with my kids and kind of prioritize my life that way. And I didn't want to start this and either do a, you know, shoddy job of it or, you know, not be able to do it. So I kind of waited until I was able to devote the time. Yes. And now that that you wait, you waited. In looking back, do you wish that you would have done it sooner, or do you feel like it it benefited you to wait? Do you feel like some of your life experience helped you make the movie what it is now? I feel a bit of both, actually, because um, I feel like my life experience was invaluable in actually making the movie. Honestly, because there were so many situations that were so stressful, <laughs> and mm-hmm. where you know oh, things yeah. could have fallen apart. And I think I I was able to keep it together and keep calm and solve the problem because of my life experience. But I do wish that I had had, like, for example, I saw Ulrich's short film and I thought, wow, this is so great. I mean, he has so so much experience from that short film. So Mm -hmm. I wish I had had more experience before tackling something so huge because um, I think it would have really helped me. It was much more stressful Mm -hmm. for me given that I didn't have as much experience as some of the younger filmmakers. Yeah. And where are you in the project right now? I know you guys are finished shooting. Are you, are you still editing? We're, uh, we basically finished picture editing, and we're working on sound design, um, um, dialogue editing, sound effects, music, yeah. and uh, color correction. It'll be at the last Finishing stage. stage then. So how do you feel that you did, and how do you feel like the project turned out? 
I mean, there are a few things I don't like about it. Few actors that didn't work out, and mm-hmm. um, you know, there's always that quest for perfection, right? And it's not oh, perfect. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But you know, but I mean, I I watched the movie. So far, I've seen it like twelve times. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole movie from beginning to end, and it really turned out well. I mean, I'm I'm actually quite happy with how it turned out. Awesome. That's great. I, I have a question. Um, did you have any need for any reshoots or anything? Were there any things you were missing after you got into the editing process? There were a few pickups, but not a huge deal. I mean, it was it took all of like five hours to do the pickups. There were a couple of, couple of uh, insert shots, and then there was a drone shot that we just missed the day that we were supposed to shoot it. That said, I have... I mean, because it was it was a 21-day shoot, right? It was 20 days and one skeleton crew day. Right. So we never had enough time to do what we really wanted to do. There was always some compromise. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what filmmaking is. Apparently, right. from, you start, start out by compromising. But, but because of that, um, the edit process was almost as more intense than the actual filming process. I mean, if oh, I was could, it really? Wow. Yeah. Because, I mean, although it was far fewer people and it was much more controlled, We'd love, we never had enough takes of anything. I mean, yeah, there, right. were, there were some shots, like one, a lot of close-ups. We had one take, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like, we well, would, I guess we're going to use that take because I don't have any other choices. And then you're looking at that take and it's not as good as you want it to be. And you're just like, ah, oh, I, I just, why didn't I see that? Or, a lot of cases we had continuity issues. So we had oh, to, really? you know, Oh, yeah. All we Rick? had to like go to extra wides when we wanted to do close-ups and, you know. Isn't that all Rick's job? Well, there was there were some continuity things where we knew that there were going to be continuity issues, but um, I don't know if that was all the same, all the ones that happened, or there were other ones. I don't know. Oh no, it's it wasn't all Rick's doing it all. It's it's more that if you ask an actor to do a scene, you know, ten times, yeah, you know, they're not going to do exactly the same motion every, you know, all ten times. It's just not possible, right. you know. I actually worked with a director that when he cast actors. What he tests them for is to make sure that they do the exact same thing over and over and over again until he tells them to do something different, which I thought was a really interesting technique because, uh, and this is for commercial directing, so it's very different, but I think to take care of that problem is like some actors don't do it the same way each time, but some actors are so well trained that they will, they'll know where their hand was at certain points, they'll know exactly after which line they turn their head. And those really well trained actors will kind of just take care of continuity for you. Well, one of the leads was like that. And uh, I don't know, she she wasn't always perfect, but that was the kind of thing that she would do. Like I would Mm -hmm. notice she would do the exact same thing every time, you know, and if she forgot something she would ask me how she did it yeah and i'd be like that's how you did it (laughs) that's so cool yeah i think it's probably i i don't know exactly where that comes into play as an actor but i'm guessing it has a difference to do between like film acting versus stage acting yeah because film acting is like so precise and you have to worry about continuity where stage acting every performance completely different Um, or improv actors too it's just like they'll just do whatever feels right at that moment yeah. yeah. So I have I wanted to just kind of set for the audience and also for me cuz I don't know anything about the project. You guys are a little bit deeper into it than me. Like I heard you said 21 days was a shoot. What are some of the other kind of just like what's the scope of the project? How many actors? How many locations? Um actually for the amount of um time we had for the budget we had it was extremely complicated because 
Uh, we had 35 cast, and they were both from one, two were from Pakistan, one, one was from India, and six were from LA, and then the rest wow. were local. So mm-hmm. we had to fly in people from different places. We had to house them. And then we had about, uh, it was about 14 or 15 locations. So we had quite a bit of complexity in locations. We were moving from place to place to place. And so scheduling, I, I think one of the real um, strengths of the project was turned out to be the AD who came from LA because mm-hmm. he was very, he was, even though he's young, he was very experienced and really smart. And I think he was really instrumental in, in, in creating a really a good schedule. And uh, that schedule was, you know, even though at times it was it was like having a straitjacket, you know, it was so limiting. <laughs> yeah. um, on the other hand, we actually got it done, you know. Yeah, you get it done. Right. Yeah, so you know, I have to say it was. I think that was one of the strengths of the project. So, are there any superheroes in your movie? Any monsters? Any portals? Any, no, no, like no. That? Okay. So do you, are you worried at all in this like culture of like people obsessed with like superhero movies and just kind of things that are a little bit more like sci-fi fantasy based that your movie's going to have a hard time finding an audience? I am a little worried because, um, <laughs> I mean, you're always worried, right? You make something mm-hmm. and you hope that people will, will, it finds an audience. But on the other hand, I see movies, like a lot of movies that come out of England, for example, like, mm-hmm. you know, The Imitation Game or The King's Speech or The Danish Girl or any of these movies. This movie is more like those movies. Yeah. It's it's more, I mean, obviously, they have a much bigger budget than, than we did. But I feel like it's along the lines of that. It has good good acting, it has great acting, actually. And uh, hopefully the script is good. And um, I would put it on par with a lot of those movies. I mean... Mm. even though we didn't have the budget. How did you fund the movie? Basically, to be quite truthful, the people who funded me were people I knew. Mm-hmm. And they believed in me as a person. You know, as a, you know, it was if they hadn't known me, I'm sure they wouldn't have funded it. Are these people from your past careers? Yes, from people that I knew from, you know, either social interaction or from mm-hmm. So if if I had gone to some uh, a random you know investor film investor being a first time director I, I mean it's very unlikely they would have funded me. Are you willing to say what the budget of your film was? I would rather not say at this time. Okay. How many investors did you have on the film? I had four investors, including myself. I put in uh, quite a bit of money. How long ago did you secure the funding for for the movie? So. Um, I got the funding literally in October 2015. So the promise okay. of funding in October 2015. Oh, wow. So 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 pretty soon before we shot. It was like, because we shot in March 2016, right? Correct. Wow. So... So yeah, it was like you got it, and then you you did you did you already had you already started pulling the pieces together before October? Or? Yeah, I mean, I really started. I mean, I started in probably January of 2015 mm. to work on you know how many days would it take. I, I created an initial budget. I was just by myself. I had no help with any of this, but um, so I had a budget. I had you know days laid out. I had all this stuff already done. And then I went out and, because, you know, first of all, I didn't want to just go to an investor with nothing. Mm. So I had a preliminary plan. I went to the investors. I said, this is what I think it would take. Of course, I had my script. And yeah. um, Did you have any cast at this point? I didn't have cast. Okay. 
So, um, and at that point, when I got the first investor, then I started getting more serious because then I realized, okay, it's within reach, basically, <laughs> yeah. between the money I had and the money that the investor was putting in. Mm-hmm. I basically had to raise only a certain amount, and I thought I could raise that. So then yeah. I started looking for people to get involved. I was looking for another producer, another, you know. So when did you bring on uh, your producer? When was What stage was that? I brought on the producer in August of 2015. Okay. The, when you're looking for investing, did you think that you were going to need more investors than you eventually got? And did you ever consider going to like crowdfunding to get the I rest thought of about investment? crowdfunding. The problem, I mean, and probably this is, many people do it, so I'm sure it's not insurmountable. But um, I, I've set up an LLC and, you know, the investors each had a share of the LLC. And I was wondering, how is this going to work with crowdfunding? I'm sure, um, you know, is there a profit sharing? Was it just straight straight up money. It's probably just straight up money, in which case, you know, there's really no profit sharing. Right. Um, right. So So here's a question we have. We were talking about funding in past episodes and Auric at one point was talking about rather than like four to six investors, let's say, he was thinking about getting like 30 to 40 investors all just contributing very small amounts and everybody gets a tiny piece of the pie. Do you think that there's any danger in trying to to separate the film into much smaller shares than it is to break it up into bigger shares and get less investors? I think there is. I think part of the problem with the film, and I realized this as, as, as it went along, is to maintain your initial vision of what you had for the film. Because mm-hmm. the, the more people you involve, everyone has a different opinion. It's, this is all opinion in a way, because... I mean, starting with, you know, every person you add on to the pot, into the mix, they all have an opinion about what the film should be like and what they, you know, and it may not be what your vision was. Right. right. But if I'm going to get people to give in like two, $2,000 here, $5,000 here or whatever, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to think that they have um, a big say in the movie or that they're a big <laughs> part of it. I mean, unless they somehow negotiate some kind of executive producer credit. Like these people are probably just going to be more like friends and family or just um, people who, you know, believe in me or like my movies and want to help out in a a small way. You know, No, I agree with that. I think if you want to make in some ways, that's a much more realistic model because people are not willing to shell out a lot of money for something so risky, but they may be able to willing to lose two thousand dollars, for example. So in a way, it's a much more realistic way of doing a a low budget film. Um, yeah. If you do get bigger investors, though, it's, it's very helpful if they're silent investors, because otherwise, again, it's, it's a vision issue if you lose lose the vision for your movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just kind of feel like I, I, I don't, you know, I just want to get the money for my project any way I can, you know, and, and that's really the only way I can actually foresee it happening. Um, you know, I don't really have any connections to big fancy investors, you know, um, I don't know any rich people. Um, <laughs> so it's sort of like the, the only way I could possibly do it, I think, is just to get like, you know, a few thousand dollars from, you know, a lot of different people and then or even less than that, depending so let's go back to like kind of you know, uh, uh, well yeah, let's say like August. So like you you find your 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 producer, um, and you kind of have most like a, you have a portion of your budget, but not all of it. Uh, what did you do from from that point, like in August? Like what 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 happened next? 
So from that point, it was basically pre-production. We went went into pre- once we well, it was still in development, so we actually got the checks for the money, and then mm-hmm. we went into pre-production, and then it became just planning. We we hired an AD. We hired uh, started looking for the deep the key players. The director of photography is probably you know next to the director. The director of photography is the most important person. Mm. So we we worked on figuring out who that is, and we hired the director of photography, and then you know go on to. I think the AD is the next person that's really important. A mm. good AD will really make a huge difference yeah, because you know just staying on schedule is such a huge you know everything in the low budget. I mean, <laughs> is about maximizing. Right what you can get for the little amount of money you have. And I think right. the huge thing that I worked on almost exclusively because I didn't want to involve too many people in this is casting. Mm. So I worked with the casting, sometimes without the casting director, but with the casting director as well and just worked on, you know, getting the right cast because I knew this is a movie where the acting is going to be everything. It's not an action movie. It's not a thriller. It's not a, you know, it's a movie about, it's a drama where the acting is going to be everything in the movie. So I, I really worked hard on casting. I mean, I did a lot of work with just, you know, finding actors and auditioning actors, looking through tapes, even the contracts. I worked on a lot of the actor contracts because the lawyer turned out to be really, really expensive. I mean, no, no, you know, every lawyer is expensive. It's no, nothing personal, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I couldn't afford to have the lawyer drawing up all the contracts. It was just too expensive. So to, to talk about the casting process a little bit. So like, where did you start? Did you get a casting director first or did you start on your own before that? No, we got a casting director, but um, I, I actually also did work because it was an international cast. There were, it was very hard to find the lead actors that I wanted, you know, mm. So I ended up going abroad. So I actually got an international casting agent as well. Oh wow! Okay, so you had two casting. I agents. I had two casting agents. And what was the what was the need for getting people abroad? Is that part of your script? The the U.S. casting agent did, wasn't really familiar with the Indian or, or Pakistani actors. You needed Pakistani actors in your film. No, I did script. not actually. I could oh. have used. <laughs> I mean, basically, I needed an Indian American actor who was supposed mm-hmm. to be Indian American. I tried, I auditioned, I don't know, a dozen actors who were like, who grew up in America, basically. Right, that fit the spec. Right, so basically they would, you know, try to fake the accent and all this other stuff. And oh. they just, it just never rang true for me. It never, mm. you know, they just didn't hit the mark for me. So then you decided better go to, to India and find that person. Try to fake the other way. Find a person who's actually living there, <laughs> who's... Who pretended they lived here for 20 years, you know? Yeah. And that actually, how, that transition looked more realistic than the other one. How You you talked a little bit about finding a, a director of photography, finding a first AD, finding a casting director. How do you go about finding those people when you're a newcomer into the film industry? Did you just do a bunch of Google searches? Did you ask around? Did you already know these people by chance? Actually, my producer knew quite a few people, which was helpful. Uh, that makes sense. How how did you meet your producer? Uh, through ProductionHub.com, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> ProductionHub.com, bringing you be- the best <laughs> crew and people. I'm, I don't know, I'm trying to do an ad here, so hopefully they'll give us some money. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> we are our first sponsor. Yeah, that'd hub. be great. Yeah, but you know, hub. in retrospect, I, mean, I, I would, what I would recommend to people mm-hmm. is even if you, whether you have a film in your mind or don't have a film in your mind, meet as many people as you can who are in the business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, go to events, you know, go to, because I think that there's so much value in that knowing other people's experiences, just knowing people. And here is, this is because of my whole, the way my life went, I really didn't have those connections. And that was one of the things that I, right now I feel I do. I mean, I'm just from the working on the movie and from, you know, making other, you know, reaching out to other people. Today I have like so many more, I know so many more people in the business than I did even two years ago. So Mm -hmm. I feel like even whether or not you're making your movie, it's such a valuable thing to, to, to just know people in the business, you know? Yeah, I think that's good advice. I have a quick question about the the LLC that I forgot to ask when you brought that up. So a film is a business and you set the film up as an LLC and, and the purpose of that company is to make the film, right? So you plus four investors, right? We're all partners in the LLC. So that means that the business get the 100% of the equity of the business gets split between you five. Is that how it works? So actually, it's four, including me. Oh, four. Okay. So the way it works, and it's actually quite complicated how you set up that LLC. Okay, there's something called an investor share and a producer share of a movie. Mm-hmm. So typically, an investor share is about 50%. And a producer share is 50%. Okay. So your LLC is 100, 100, you have a pie, it's split into half. Okay. So half of the pie is owned by the producers, half is owned by the investors. So the investors get shares of that half depending on how much money they put in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. For the producer's share, essentially you give away points or percentages to, for example, you can give it to the actors, you can give it to mm-hmm. the, if you bring on a producer... Like my producer got a significant share of the movie. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Or in the line producer or whoever else you bring in, they end up getting a significant percentage of the movie. On top of what they get paid just to- On top it. of what they get paid. The DP could get uh, uh, percentages. Right. It's all a negotiation. It's a negotiation. So key people okay. in the movie who work on the movie get usually get some percentage of the movie. And these mm. are called typically back end points. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so the investors share, they'll get my, they'll get a percentage based on the money they put in. And the producer's share gets a percentage based on the work they put in. Mm. So one of the things which I did, which I think was very wise is I always retain more than 50% of the movie mm. because I invested as well as produced. Yeah. Right. You have both, you're on both sides. Of I'm that on pie. both sides of that pie. So that, there you, therefore, you retain more control. Mm-hmm. So if you really are interested in making the movie you dreamed about making rather than making a movie, <laughs> then it's better to have some control over the process. Because if you don't, I think you will lose control. Don't you actually need 51% to maintain control? Yeah, 51%. But so then if somebody, just to, to talk about that, Percentage-wise, if somebody else has 51% of the movie, does that mean that they can dictate what you do? I mean, it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if but from theoretically, a legal perspective. yeah, they can. Theoretically, any of your investors, if they own enough of a percentage, can start telling you, well, I want you to do this, or I think you should do this. But 
you know, it depends on the person. My investors were all silent investors. They never want, in fact, it was the other way around. They helped me so much. I mean, they're mm. just, I, I don't know what God must have been smiling down on me when this thing started because. <laughs> right. I, we call um, that the film gods. The, right. Yeah, because like my, the main investor loaned us his restaurant. He has a very high end restaurant called the Plumed Horse. Please, oh, please, please plug that in. Yeah, um, Plumed Horse. The Plumed Horse. It's a Michelin rated. It's one of the few Michelin rated restaurants in the entire Bay Area. It's a beautiful restaurant, and he yeah. loaned it to us for our scene. I remember walking into that location and being like, "Damn, killing it on the locations, man." <laughs> Wow, it was so awesome. It was amazing. Now, the problem, the flip side of that is we only had three hours to shoot that scene. It was right. a six-page scene, and we had three hours. Here's another, <laughs> you know, thing I wanted to mention is both the lead actors yeah. stayed in my house. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And so we would rehearse till 3 o'clock in the morning, a lot of days. Like people were they having days off and stuff. We'd be sitting and rehearsing. So we had, by the time we got to the set, we already had a lot of rehearsal time. And I rehearsed with the other two daughters as well. And actually, it shows the people who had the benefit of rehearsal time versus the ones who didn't, you can pick them out in the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, course. that rehearsal, because you don't have that time on set. I mean, that set, I mean, there was no way we could have rehearsed, you know, any, anybody in that set atmosphere. I mean, we yeah. had like ten, five minutes here, six minutes there, but, you know, it was not a place where you could actually sit and rehearse and think and talk and, you know, say, okay, what is the meaning of this line? What's the objective of, this? you know, the, the deep questions that you need to ask about a right. script, you cannot, you just didn't have time to do that. Yeah. So if you could, if you had all the money in the world on your next film, would you get all the actors together and rehearse the movie for like two weeks? Definitely. I would rehearse. Yeah. And also, I would have a longer schedule because I think, for example, they <laughs> right. shot The Graduate in 100 days. Yeah. Have you seen The Graduate? They sh that took 100 days. That took 100 days? 100 days. Wow. wow. They don't make movies like that anymore. No. 100-day dramas? Yeah, you're lucky to get 20, man. Like, lots of movies, <laughs> they shoot yeah. in like 15, 16 days. That was like the first one I worked on was 15 days or 16 days. I keep days. telling Ulrich that I want 30 days for my first feature, and he tells me I'm crazy. Well, if you can get it, hell yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I'm, I know I'm not going to have that kind of budget, I don't think, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I have a really technical question for you, Sayla, and I don't know if you can answer this. Um, and we'll do it with hypothetical numbers, you know, but... Uh, like going back to the whole percentage point thing, this is something I was trying to figure out. So like, let's say you, you your movie is going to cost $100,000 and you get um, investors to, you know, bring in $100,000. Does that mean that the movie is, is, is evaluated at like $200,000 because, you know, the investors are putting in 50% of it or? No, 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 no. That What what that means is, okay. So yeah, let me, let me give you uh so let's just use a hundred thousand dollars, right? As so an basically, example. let's say um, so a hundred percent of the movie, right, is split up. You let's say you're the only producer of the movie, okay. and you're the only one with shares. You would right. own fifty percent of that movie, mm -hmm. okay? And fifty percent would be owned by whoever put in the hundred thousand. Let's say mm -hmm. you had four investors who put twenty five thousand each. Yeah. Okay. So basically, if you take 50%, right, mm -hmm. divided by four, that's 12.5%. So mm -hmm. each of those investors would own 12.5% of that movie. 
Okay. And so do you understand? It, yeah, yeah. And does one point equal 1% of the yes, movie? Yes, one point okay. equals 1%. So you okay. own 50 points percent, and uh-huh. they would own 12 and a half each, equaling 50%. Okay. Okay. Cool. That Yeah, that answers my question. Because I was trying to figure it out, like, you know, how do you, if they're putting in, like, 50 points worth of X amount of dollars, does that mean that they're immediately, their money is getting diluted of, of what their ownership is? I guess that's what it happens then. That's right? what happens. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, Because I'm, I'm working on a contract to, to like, get my, uh, my first bit of investing in, and uh, it's good to understand how that works. Well, uh, these I, things should all be drawn up by a lawyer. Right. This is not something you want to do with, you know, on right. online, you know, documentation. Because, yeah. you know, if, if your money, if your but money. I can't afford a lawyer. You can't afford a lawyer? I, at this point, I could do it for you because I've seen so much of this <laughs> stuff. I'll do it for you for free. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> so theoretically, let's say somebody owns 51% of your movie. That's not you. Can they fire you from your own movie? Theoretically, but it's not possible unless they're a producer, right? Because they can never right. own, even if you invest the entire amount, you only if you own fifty percent. Well, unless for for some reason the producer and and the investor are the same person, right? Then, then, unless they're then a producer, they of maybe. The movie. So, in other words, in order to do yeah. that, they'd have to be an actively involved in making the movie. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, that makes sense, though. I mean, yeah, if if a producer that put up a bunch of money fired me as a director i'd be like yeah well that you have the power to do that because you're the producer and investor okay right hopefully that we <laughs> will now none of us will ever be in that situation because um <laughs> that would be very terrible it sounds like everyone gets fired once you get to a certain point that just being fired is part of the job right, well, i think right. one of the really surprising <laughs> things to me about the film you know the way the film the organizational structure of the film is how hierarchical it is. Oh, yeah. Because engineering is typically, I always thought, oh, these are artistic people. They're emotional, you know. <laughs> I to, right. I had this illusion that everyone's sensitive, emotional, and kind people, <laughs> you know. And what I found was very different. I mean, it's... <laughs> it's more like a construction crew. Yeah, it's more very hierarchical, <laughs> very, you know, this is your, you know, place, and this is your position, and this is your job, and this is your... And partly because I think a set is such a um, high stress, you know, very fast paced, high high pressure environment, you have to have those boundaries clearly drawn. Otherwise, it becomes yeah, chaotic. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Is this a fir- the biggest film set that you've ever been on? Yes. And what what was it like to be a first time feature film director on a set with professionals that maybe had more experience than you? I think the first few days you. I mean, this is going to sound egotistical to you, but I'm a fast learner, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that always helps in anything you do. But by by the second or third day, I think everyone Mm -hmm. was in a rhythm and I felt pretty comfortable. The first day was was a little daunting. Um, Yeah. And we had all kinds of issues on the first day, too. Like it rained and we we were we shot at Hakone Gardens. And um, Mm -hmm. there was a wedding there the day before and they left this huge white tent. In the main area where we were going to shoot. So we had to remove the tent. You know, we get there and we find this huge white tent there, you know. And uh, that tent was like very, it was kind of a, you know, an effort to remove it. So 
So we had like the first day start off with a lot of surprises. And um, yeah, well, the first day is always like a little, you know, it's exciting. It's fun because you're meeting everybody. But it's also like the day that's usually one of the more stressful days because no one knows each other and everyone's just trying to figure it out, you know, or they know each other. They don't know each other that well. And uh, and yeah, it's always like that. But uh, but yeah, you know, I thought things got up to speed really quick. And then it, it was funny for me. It felt like on day four that we had been making the movie for like weeks yeah, at that point, true. you know, and it was only four days. But uh, I mean, as a director and as a female director, one of the challenges you face is just getting your authority. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was a, that was a struggle for me throughout the whole thing. Um, but. It was, I mean, if I had been, if this had been my fifth feature film, I think it would have been far mm-hmm. less of a struggle, obviously. So, yeah. but, but I think by about day four, day five, I think I found my groove much better. Yeah. Do you think you would have done anything differently with this now that you have the experience? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Many things. <laughs> well, give us a couple examples of, of things that you would do differently if you were to do it again. I think, um, you know, I was watching Brian De Palma in an interview last night, and he said mm-hmm. y- y- the thing you really have to do as a director is trust your instincts, you know? And I knew exactly what he was talking about because there were many times when my instinct said, let's do this, and I listened to other people, and mm, then yeah. we ended up doing what they wanted, and then in the edit room I had to change it. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, because yeah. basically what they said was there. just totally wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not going to name names or say anything like that, but I'm just saying that there were many instances when my instinct was saying, do this, do this, do this, and I didn't listen to it. So I think the next go around, I would trust my instincts far more. I would, I would, I would enforce what I was thinking far more because in the end, what ended up happening is I got what I wanted, but it was, um, it was kind of, you know, I didn't, I, I had to do it very cleverly. Like I had to. <laughs> massage the situation, you know, in many different ways to get what I wanted. Whereas I think I would have just come out and said, hey, here's what I want you to do. So like, so sticking to your guns more, that's something that you would do for the next time. Yeah, sticking to my guns more. Um, Do you feel like there's any instances where like, let's say you did it, did what someone suggested or or something that you didn't, where you, where you did that same thing, where you didn't go with your instincts and actually prove proved to be the right thing to do? Were there any instances like that throughout the movie? I, I wouldn't say it was exactly like that. I think what really what happened is because I think there's, you know, there's different, different people have different styles. And my style is always more collaborative. And mm. um, there were people that said they, they wanted me to be dictatorial or something. And that's just not my style, you know? <laughs> right. And um, I think that really helped the film because a lot of times, for example, the lead actor was extremely bright guy. So he would make suggestions that I think were, were really, really helped the film or the actress for that matter. I mean, they would say, oh, well, why don't we do this? Or can I do this? And they, they really had great ideas. And, and a lot of times we incorporated their ideas and it, it really worked. Mm-hmm. Um, the flip side of that is there were times when I said, we should really do it this way. We should really do it this way. And they didn't do it. And in the end, we ended up having to change it in the edit, you know? Right, so. right. Interesting. Um, yeah, because the thing that I, when walking away from my first short film from, from Strange Thing, one of the things that I thought was the hardest was like, 
when do you decide to do it the way that you wanted to do it originally? Like, like what you, like your instincts, like what you thought. And then when do you decide to like, listen to someone else's suggestion? Like whether it be the DP or the producer or the actor or whatever, you know? And I felt like there was times where I listened to other people and it actually turned out to be really great. And there was times when I stuck with my gut and it turned out to be, to be wrong and, and vice versa. So that's why I was asking is like, yeah. cause that's like the hardest thing is to like decide when to go with your gut and then when to go with the the other suggestion. And no, I think when I, times- when I say, when I say trust your instincts, it doesn't mean do what you want to do all the time. Uh, right. It means right. listen, when you listen to someone and you think their idea is great, right? Mm-hmm. That's your instinct too. Right. Right. To right, go along right. with it. But when you listen to someone and you think, wow, this is really not a good idea. And there were times, many times when I thought somebody would say something, they'd say, I'd say, no, that's not what I, what I really wanted to do or that's not what I want to do at this moment. But I would just keep quiet because, you know, I didn't want to um, create problems in the situation or whatever. Right. And that's what yeah. I mean when I say trust your instincts. It's not I that see. you get your way all the time. It's that... You, you look at all the ideas and figure out the best one and your instincts will tell you what the best one is, you know, mm-hmm. and trust in that way. Because yeah, other people have great sense. ideas. If you're shutting off everyone's ideas, you're, you're, you're going to be the loser for that, you know. Right, exactly. And that's how I feel. And that's what I like the collaborative nature. And, I you know, I, I much prefer to work in that way than to work in the like, I'm the auteur and, you know, only listen to me and my ideas are the only right ideas because i think that like you can get into into some trouble doing it that way you no know? i agree but but on the other hand people seem to um i don't know how to say this tactfully mm. <laughs> <laughs> say it say it in the worst possible way you can <laughs> there's always i mean people often confuse fear and respect mm. and um some people prefer fear to respect just because it's easier to understand, <laughs> mm. you know. So a lot of people in- like if you just, you know, become like uh, unpleasant or, you know. Tyrannical. Tyrannical. That's a good word. And mm. that's just not who I am and that's not how I wanted to be. So I said, okay, you know, however much people encourage me to go in that direction, I just didn't want to do it. You talked a little bit about like the challenges in general. Was there any like, like what was the biggest challenge that you faced like while, while on set trying to make the movie? Is, was there one thing or was it just like kind of like, you know, going through this process every day and, and just, you know, trying to get the best, getting your vision onto screen? I mean, there, there, you'd have to say there's a couple of categories of challenges, right? There are the external challenges, just logistical things, you know? You're dealing with 35 crew, feeding the crew and getting, getting, making your day and getting your shots and dealing with environmental, like suddenly the light changes and you're losing light and you, you're doing day for night and night for day. And, you know, it's like, it's, uh, it's just, uh, all those logistical challenges. And then there are the internal challenges, which is, you know, dealing with the difficult personalities and, you know, dealing with your own personality, like your own insecurities and your own doubts and your own, you know, because at the end of the day, you want to make a great film, right? You don't want, at least for me, you know, this was, I felt like this was the opportunity I'd been waiting for for 30 years, literally. And so I thought, okay, well, I really want to do a good job. So that was my biggest desire, you know, more than like having a big ego about it or whatever. I just wanted a great film. 
And so that's what I was always trying to achieve. And uh, so I lost my train of thought here, but I'm sorry. Um, the internal challenge I felt was um, trying to convince people to do things that I thought was the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that for me was, you know, dealing with all the personalities and trying to convince them, hey, this is what we should do. And yeah. in that high stress environment with people you're not, you don't know really well. See, a lot of these, the really good directors, they reuse the same crews over and over and over. Yeah. And, yeah. and after going through this experience, I know why. Because once you know someone, like, you know, you and I, we, we were together for 21 days, side by side, like 14 hours a day. I know you really well at this point, you know? Yeah. yeah I absolutely. would use you in a heartbeat again. <laughs> because I feel like we got, we, we really understood each other. We got along, you know? So, yeah. So there, for those people that you, you really feel like they did a great job, you know, you want to bring them back, you know? Oh, absolutely. So I think the people that you find, like, there's like the electrical, the gaffer was so good. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was amazing, you know, on the crew and the grips. I mean, they were amazing. I just, I was so, I was in awe of their work, honestly. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic people. Fantastic people. I mean, so I would use them again in a heartbeat. So you, I think you assemble a crew like that of people you would use again. And then once you assemble that crew, you would, you would just stick with them because you, you almost speak in sign language after a point, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so, so I think that, you know, not knowing the crew and not knowing, you know, them well is, is a real, disadvantage we're hopefully in the next year or so both going to be embarking on our first feature films like what advice would you give us in in trying to get our first feature film made like what what could you tell us that would help us get it done i think you know if you if you leave if you read if you're a fan fan of stephen covey's books you know the seven habits of highly effective people the one of the his his habits that he always says is begin with the end in mind hmm Okay, so I think you, you should have a clear vision of what you want your movie to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And everything you do should be driving you towards that vision. Starting with, you know, your pre, when you start with the fundraising, because you have to explain to your investor why do they, why do, why should you invest in this movie? Like, for example, for me, this story is very personal because it deals with mental health issues. In a, you know, in a, in a family, basically. I mean, that's not the only part of the story, but that's one of the parts of the story. It's about, you know, living in, a, in Silicon Valley with its high-stress environment and all the expectations that are placed on children and, and, you know, children who may be struggling. So for me, it was a very, you know, personal story, and I kind of, you know, I could tell the investor, this is why I want to make the movie, right? Mm-hmm. So starting with the beginning from with the investor, getting investors to the end, you should be able to ex- begin with the end in mind, which is have a clear vision of the movie and why you want to make it and why it'll be a good movie. And everything you do should be in, a, in alignment with that, you know? To that point, do you think it's important to know who your audience is or how it's going to be distributed or which awards it's going to win? <laughs> If we all knew that, that would be like, um, you know, I almost feel like, you know, that movie Field of Dreams? 
Oh yeah. If you build it, they'll yeah. come. <laughs> I always, I always yeah. felt that way. I never felt. I don't think I was very calculating about who the audience will be, or you know. I feel like if you do something good, it mm -hmm. will find an audience. Yeah. Well, that's what I hope. You know, and that's what I believe. I don't know if it's necessarily true, but I mean, that's kind of like you know the my basic thesis for filmmaking is like make something that I like and that I believe in and that I want to see. And hopefully there's an audience like me out there for that movie, you know? Um, but yeah, whether or not that's, that's accurate, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Right. <laughs> no, I think you're right on that because people's tastes are so varied, right? Some people, you know, some people oh, probably yeah. would look at my movie and go, Oh my God, this is the most boring thing I've ever seen. <laughs> they're not, that's not their taste, you know? <laughs> right. If right, they right. like, like, you know, Captain America, they're not going to like this movie. I don't think. There's, there's no explosions, Sailor? <laughs> you didn't, you didn't put any gunshots in, in, in post or anything? Or did the house doesn't yeah. blow up at one point? <laughs> or why didn't you follow the market? You got to put vampires or zombies or something <laughs> in your movie. You can't just have like a dramatic story about mental health and people who are stressed at their jobs. Who wants to see that? <laughs> You're scaring me. <laughs> Actually, I'd like to see it. No, no, it sounds good. Uh, would you say that, or you feel that your movie could be like the next Fruitvale Station of the Bay Area? Do you think it might be that successful? You know, I think it has a chance. I mean, whether or not it That's will awesome. be is, is is a question. But honestly, with the with the resources we had, I don't think we mm -hmm. could have made a better movie. That's great. For when I heard Fruitville Station was shooting, and it, it was just kind of like in theory, and it was out there, and somebody was making it, and I was working with some of the crew and the casting director that was on that movie, it didn't really sound like it was anything special. And then when it came out, it was like, holy crap, that was made in the Bay Area? Like, I, I kind of just took it for granted because it was just a it was a Bay Area movie about a Bay Area topic, and I just didn't think anything was going to happen, and then it exploded, and it was really cool to see. So I'm hoping the same thing happens with your movie. Oh, thank you. We all hope that. Yeah. Yeah. And then know, I'll I... finance Ulrich's next movie. That oh. would be great. Well, you heard it here, here first, folks. Sailor's going to fund my first movie once, uh, once the Valley wins an Oscar. So, uh, yeah, in, a, in about a year, maybe two years from now, we'll be uh, yeah. talking some, some big business. So is, as part of your budget, did you put some money aside for film festival entries? We we did. Um, we have a little bit. I mean, the one thing I have to say is we stayed on budget. You did. Wow. And I, I credit the co-producer with that because she was really, really strong on that suit. Um, but yeah, no, we stayed on budget. So we have a little bit of money for festivals, but we have very little marketing money left at this point. And mm -hmm. what I what I'm going to do, I mean, right now I'm just focused on, you know, getting everything as as good as I can, like the, the sound and the color correction and the music. I mean, music is so important. Oh, you know, yeah. This is one of the big mistakes filmmakers make is they get to the end and they have no money for music and all the others. I watched a very <laughs> right. interesting um, uh, independent movie the other day. It's called Like Sunday, Like Rain. Mm -hmm. And it was such a, it was really, really small, really well made. The acting was superb. The, the writing was great. Um, and I think they just ran out of money for music because it seemed like mm -hmm. they just used source music, you know, everywhere they could. Mm. And um, and I felt like, but well, that that was one thing. I mean, it really struck out as as being like a deficiency, you know. 
And I think yeah. it happens a lot of times with these low-budget movies. You get to the end and you just run out of move- money, you know? So um, we didn't get there because we have enough money to do a good job with music and a good job with the sound. Yeah, so, so but But we don't have any marketing money. So that's that that's kind of the very last thing and we just have we don't have any money left for marketing. So yeah. I may have to raise some more money for that. Um it, I'll see how things play out because for film festivals you don't need a lot of money. I mean just to enter it and so on. And if it gets in and you know if we need to bring out cast or whatever for the if it gets into some big festivals, I'll need to raise right. some more money. Well, yeah, but then you could also go with like a sales agent and things like that or an, an agent to help you get into film festivals and all that stuff. But like, yeah, that all costs money. And that's just, I don't know, that's a whole world I haven't really, un- I don't understand and I haven't ventured into yet. But uh, but I don't know. I mean, I feel that's what a lot of movies do is they get like some sort of sales agent to help them, you know, reach the right film festival or reach the right distributor. And it's all like a calculated plan and all this stuff. But I mean, I think that's what, part of what the marketing budget would go to, right? Is like getting those people on board. But, uh, but well, maybe yeah, I I'm know. naive, but I, I still have a belief that if your film is good, that the festivals are not corrupted enough that they just, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't, I, I still have a naive belief that whether or not your film gets into a festival is not dependent on who enters it, you know? <laughs> right. I, I wish, I hope you're right. I really do. I really hope that's true. And I think it is true to some degree. But, uh, but yeah, I know there's just so much business involved with the film festivals these days that it's just really, it gets tough, man. It gets really tough. Yeah. Well, it's just the, it's about competition, too. I mean, there's so many people entering festivals. Like, who knows who's going to watch your film when you submit it to, let's say, Sundance? And, you know, there's going to be some screener that's going to be watching it and before it gets to the people that decide whether or not it gets in the festival. And like you said, it could be somebody that just thinks it's the most boring thing in the world, even though it could be a really great film. So you're yeah. at the mercy of, of luck and chance sometimes. Um, the other thing, I, I just think, Sayla, for your movie, like you just have like it's you have such a a good chance to do really well internationally because of the actors that you have in your movie so i feel like you're going to have a lot of success in film festivals in other countries or international film festivals you know so i don't know i'm sure you're focusing on all those things but i mean i feel like you're you're going to you're going to have great success success with this movie it, you know it, it maybe it might not be the whole big Oscar dream thing that we all hope for, but you know <laughs> you're gonna definitely do well in other countries because of the star power that you have with like your leads in in these other parts of the world, you know. Because I just you know following them on Facebook and stuff and seeing who they are in other countries and like what their their status is over there, it's like oh yeah, you're 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 gonna be fine, you know. Like you're gonna you're gonna attract an audience. You know. From your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're running out of time. So, is there anything else that you guys want to touch on, or any final thoughts? I want to know from Sale. I know it's you're still like completely entrenched in this movie, and you're you're still like trying to you know get this out there, and it's not even done yet, and all these things. But what what's next for you? Like what what are you after this experience? Like now, what do you want to do? Like now that you've got this movie in the can and then you're well on your way to editing, what what are you, what is your thing that you're going to focus on after this? So I have another script idea actually, 
Um, and it, I think it's a really, really good idea. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. So I'm, I'm, I think I'll start working on that. That's, that's my next project. Have you started writing it yet? No, I didn't start writing it yet because uh, this, this, this film is going to take me another couple of years to, you know, try to promote and distribute and so on. So I'm allocating you- the next few years to devote to this film. But I will start writing like in parallel, I think. Because like, are you thinking that like maybe when when you're in the process of getting this movie into film festivals or like it's in a film festival and it gets shown, like, are you thinking that, oh, maybe I should have the next script at least ready in some form at that point? So like if someone sees my movie and they want to work with me, that I already have something lined up? Are you just thinking like, oh, okay, I'm going to just get to it when I when I can you know, no, I'm going to get to it when I can because I, okay. I want to. I don't want to dilute my focus too much, so I want to focus on making this film as 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 getting it out there as much as I can, mm-hmm. and then then and you know I'll I'll go on to the next one. Honestly, I, I I'm always a proponent of quality rather than quantity. You know. Mm. Yeah. I some people just want to crank stuff out. I don't want to do that. Yeah, Alric. Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it, but it's like a popular thing, you know, like, uh, like, I mean, I'm not talking about myself, but like I, I talked to other <laughs> filmmakers and they're like, yeah, they're like talking about their plans for their film careers. And I'm like, oh yeah, in a few years we can like, you know, have this movie done and then maybe I'll be, we'll be working on our second movie or whatever. And, and they'll be like, oh no, in three years we're going to have like four movies out by then. And I'm like, really? You're going to have four movies in three years? But I mean, they're like hey. The- Takeshi Mikes or or the, right. the Roger Cormans of the world, you know, and and maybe they will, and and maybe that that'll be great. But I just I know how much work it takes to make a movie, and I've seen like lots of people I know and friends make movies, and the amount of time it takes. And so I feel like Sailor's probably more on a realistic sort of time timetable, <laughs> you know, because it probably will take years for the movie to get to get out into the world, you know, from this point. Yeah, at least, I think at least two years. Yeah. If you did a year to go through the film f- festival circuit and then another year to get some distribution. Yeah. Unless it gets fast tracked. I mean, you know, like I, I guess it just depends like on the on the levels of success cuz like I know that some movies just get catapulted, you know, but uh I don't think that happens to most movies. I think most movies do take the full year for, through film festivals and then like another year through the distribution you know like andrew schrader who we talked to like a, almost a year ago or eight months ago or whatever like his movie is still like i saw it two years ago in a film festival and it's still you know trying to get distribution or it's like it's got he's got some sort of distribution deal but it's like it's not out yet you know so it just takes a long long time i mean as long as it reaches that point um, i'm not worried about how long it takes i just wanted to get to that point I want you to be able to go to a theater and see the movie. That's what, you know, that's what my end goal is. Mm. So if it takes, you know, six months, if it takes eight months, I don't know exactly. I mean, it's all, you know, I don't think anyone knows really. Right. Well, I love that patience because like I think having that kind of patience and being able to stick with it no matter what, I think that is really separates, is what's going to make the difference in the end, you know. Um, yeah. So anything else to add? Any last words from anybody? Please come out and see the valley when it when you see when you see it in theaters. Yeah, let us know when it's done. And, and as it as as this project develops, I mean, it would be really interesting to talk to you again and find out if how things change and evolve. In a couple of years, when I have gone through the whole distribution 
saga. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be on your show again and just talk about how that worked because I feel like yeah. that's an, a, a, a mysterious thing which most people don't understand. I certainly don't. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then when people do understand it, they don't really like talking about it in detail a lot, even even privately. You know, like I yeah. talked, it's like it's like they want to keep the secrets to themselves. You know, that's what w- we're finding about all of this filmmaking stuff is that there's not a lot of people talking honestly about things. Like it was so refreshing to talk to you about like how how the film business part of it is structured and and separated out among, between investors and producers. I feel like it's hard to get that information and people tend not to share it or maybe they just don't, they're not asking the questions, but uh, those are the kind of things that we're interested in talking about. So yeah, please come back in a few years after you've been through it and, and let us know what you learned. See in engineering, we're used to the, I, I'm used to a world where, there's not false advertising, a lot of false advertising, because you get bit for that. I mean, if I say my my code is working, and then somebody goes out and tries to use it, and the darn thing doesn't work, I get fired, or I get a bad reputation, or, you know, something bad's going to happen out of that. In the film world, there's just so much false <laughs> advertising and false, you know, people are claiming all kinds of things that, that just aren't real, you know what I mean? Right. The reality factor is so little in the in this business. That's what I feel. People say stuff like they they say I've done this and I've done that and it's you know it's it's just not real. So Right. <laughs> so what I'm saying is one of the cautionary tales that I learned out of this is to take things with a grain of salt. Right, right, right. Um and then where where can we find the valley? Is there uh like yeah I know there's an IMDb and a Facebook page. Is there another website for the movie? Is there anything else that we can see or read about it now out there in the world? We're actually in the for- in the process of creating a website. Um, in probably by August timeframe we'll have a website. Um, mm. and that's you'll find some more. And um, I'm I'm gonna start you know trying to publicize once we get past this post production phase. You know, start trying to put some articles out there and some news and so on and so forth. And are you on Twitter or social media or anything like that? Is there a place people can follow you or find you? Um, we are on uh, social. Uh, I, I don't know the thing, the hashtags right now, but we're on Twitter and Instagram, I think. Oh, cool. Well, we'll definitely we'll find those and we'll put them in the show notes so people can find you and find the movie and all that stuff. Thanks again for coming on. Shall I take us out? Yeah, take us out. And yeah, Sayla, thanks so much for being here. It's always been a pleasure to talk to you about the process. It's been really fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's really been fun. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please tell your friends about us. Uh, we would love if you'd let, leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. The, the recent ratings has made a difference. We are now in the top five. If you type in filmmaking, check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you'll find uh, our show notes and there'll be links to all the things that we talked about in today's episodes, including where you can find Sayla in her movie, The Valley. Thanks, Ulrich. And thanks, Sayla. It was a lot of fun talking to you guys. Yeah. Thanks so much, Timothy. And thanks again, Sayla. That was uh, really great. Okay, guys. Have a great day. Okay.